Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as you do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today started his acting career at the age of five as the Milk Mustache Kid in many Carnation Milk commercials. He got his SAG card as a Pepsi Slice Black Belt for their ad campaign. He received his first big break while working out at a Los Angeles karate school, while producer Roy Haran was canvassing the town in search of a replacement for Jean-Claude Van Damme for the film No Retreat, No Surrender 2, Raging Thunder. He beat out more than 75 actors who auditioned. Variety called him the blue-eyed, blonde-haired Bruce Lee. You've also seen him in films such as Blood Brothers, King of the Kickboxers, Operation Golden Phoenix, Silent Force, and more. He wrote, produced, and starred in Deadly Ransom. He's worked as a stuntman and fight choreographer on hundreds of episodes of TV shows, including many of my favorites like Alias and Chuck. And he feels one of his greatest accomplishments is his Emmy Award as a stuntman. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Lauren Avedon. How are you doing today, sir? Doing well, Brian. Pleasure to be with you. Hey, I appreciate the time, and, and I'm glad. I, I believe it was Keith, uh, Keith Vitale, that uh, told me to, to reach out to you. So I'm, I'm kind of glad he gave me that idea. Hey, that's my blood brother. I love Keith. He's yeah. absolutely the, the most, uh, such a gentleman. And, you know, he was one of my idols growing up. I would go to the newsstand to see all the karate mags when they'd come out, and he was always on the cover of one or two of them. Nice. And then I got to make a film with him, and I was just absolutely out of my mind happy. And, um, yeah, I started doing two a days cause thinking I'm going to be, cause I already knew what to expect from no retreat, no surrender to mm-hmm. raging thunder that they were going to beat the living, you know, what out of me. <laughs> and, uh, I was ready. I was doing two a days, three hours, you know, in the morning training, this and that, and then three hours and six months and showed up and met Keith Vitale and made that epic, epic movie. I really think it's one of the the great fight scenes, all of the Chinese choreography and all of their, their, their crazy ideas. It was just, it, the audiences ate it up. So I'm very blessed. That's awesome. Well, what I want to do is I want to back up. I want to go all the way to the beginning and I want, I want to know where that first spark, where that first interest for martial arts came from and kind of what launched your martial arts journey. Well, it's pretty simple. I think I'm uh, just like hundreds and thousands and probably millions of people. I saw uh, Bruce Lee's Chinese Connection nice. when I was about 10 and a half in Bath, England. I was living in, in London with my mom, of course, and uh, we were doing the Lake District and we were traveling around. We stayed in the town of Bath and my mother's uh, friend's son, Tyler, uh, said, I'm going to go see this movie. You want to go? I said, sure. So I went there not knowing it was rated X because of the violence <laughs> wow. and I had to be 17. So I just bullied my way in by telling the, the poor British gal at the ticket booth, give me the ticket. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> and I was just blown away. 
because of course Chinese Connection is just such an amazing film when yes. you look at it it holds up today it is you know I think just to add on the nostalgia of the old martial arts films has started to you know become in vogue again or mm -hmm. is having a reboot because there's so much interest in some of us shall we say first gen or a golden age of Hong Kong actors. And so you might see Keith and I together again, oh, doing awesome. something, hope, hopefully soon. We just need to put together the idea and find some investors, which shouldn't be too hard and start doing it again, because there's a need for it. So much need for content, Brian, but the other part of it is, yeah. is it's the ground pounding. You know that that hurt, you know that that guy took it. It's not CGI. It's nothing but, you know, real. And people really, really enjoy that. And, and I still, every day I get, you know, something from somebody saying, hey, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, did those films and so forth. So really, really lucky, yeah. really lucky that I was chosen. I don't like, like William Zapka says in, in one of the newer seasons of Cobra Kai, he says old school karate. And it's, I love when he, the way he said that. I'm like, yes, we, we, <laughs> we, we need that. And we miss that. We miss the old school karate. <laughs> True. True. So in, in, you know, just before 18, when I signed up at Jun Chong, Jun Chong Taekwondo, where Philip Ree and Simon Ree were teaching and all these greats like Bill Wallace would come in and teach nice. and this and that. You know, we, we signed up to learn how to fight. We didn't sign up with any other sort of, uh, well, I didn't. I know and a lot of the guys didn't. Uh, we wanted to learn how to how to fight and stay on our feet, you know, and, and be the best. And Jun Chung really had incredible dynamics in the methods that he would teach. You know, he taught footwork a lot. And we also learned boxing. We learned a lot of stuff. And I got to mix it up with a lot of great martial artists. Because it seemed to be like almost, uh, I don't know, like, like a magnet mm -hmm. for great athletes. So I'm very, very lucky and blessed, really. Now, was that your first official school after seeing that movie until you were almost, you know, what, 17 years old? Was that your first official school or did you try any before that? Oh, I tried things, but, you know, uh, I was a poor kid in Beverly Hills. So <laughs> basically they had stuff at Roxbury Park, you know, after school I tried and, you know, it was just it was a lesson in how to take a beating. They weren't teaching anything. And then another chap was uh, teaching in the swim gym at Beverly Hills High. And again, there was no structure, nothing. But I had friends that were I went to school with that were going to Jun Chung and um, they were really, you know, great. At, if I'd ask them, hey, man, show me show me a kick or two or whatever. Mm -hmm. They were really terrific. And I said, wow, this is the place to go. So a week after I bought my first car broke, you know, I had all my books for school, you know, going to college and, and all that. I begged my mom after I saw this guy. After I took a Simon Reed class, intro mm -hmm. class, and I just begged my mom to please six month contract. I have to do this. It's it's incredible. So I uh, spent the summer basically at the school every day like a sponge. Master Chung, I can remember saying to me, Lauren, go do something. You know, don't <laughs> be here all the time. You know? And I just I, I had just found, you know, it was like church, man. It was like I had walked in to the place where I belonged and I wanted to know everything I could and learn. And thank God, these were some of the greatest martial artists. And I can say that with confidence, mm -hmm. you know, around. So, That's cool. That's there you so go. Cool. I'm lucky. Very lucky. Did you ever get involved in the competition? I know you said you got into it to learn how to fight. Did you yes. ever, ever get into the competition yes. side? Yes, I did. 
but you know, I, I mean, we would go, we would go down to San Diego and fight in tournaments. Uh, I can remember going to San Diego and going across to Tijuana. I was still like a red belt or something and uh, got, you know, pickled and had a hangover and everything. And I didn't, you know, really feel like fighting, but it turns out, you know, that was a good thing that I was grumpy because I had went through four round robins and, and won this. I was in a heavyweight division because everybody else was already assigned. And so here I am with these 220 pounds, I'm maybe 165 pounds soaking wet. And I was just, I was, I remember did a jumping split back kick and hit this guy in the forehead. (laughs) I did some competition, but I got, I would go to other style tournaments and show up, you know, wearing my Taekwondo patch or whatever, and most likely get robbed, you know, because they're all, you know, pulling for their players or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd kick some guy right in the face and, you know, put his nose over by his ear and the guy would scoop kick me. That's a tempo, you know, groin technique, right? Which yep. is just a, like a like a little donkey kick to the groin. He gets the point. Meanwhile, this guy's bleeding bleeding out of his ear, and you know his face is not the same. But he gets the point. Okay, but I wanted to test. I wanted to test my my wills and my wear mm-hmm. on other styles. So I went to every competition I could and did so through you know first on black belt. Uh, as well, I would go and represent. And it was mandatory for us oh. to go and, and when we get into upper level uh, advanced belt to compete. And Master Chung had a tournament every year uh, for juvenile juvenile diabetes. You know, all proceeds would go to that. So, yeah, I, I missed it up a lot. I came home with a lot of bruises and, you know, a lot of experiences. And then on Sundays, if there wasn't a tournament, there was a group of black belts uh, James War, Chris Williams, Vernon Velmanay, all of these incredible fighters. And here, and this started when I was a blue belt, which is the first advanced rank. And I would go and train with them. I asked if I could train with them. And you know what? They weren't whooping my ass. They were showing me how to, how to do it. And uh, I'm so grateful to them because they really schooled me well. And so I was, uh, I wanted to do everything, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? I wanted to be like Bruce Lee. I wanted to be uh, a superior technician and um that turns out i i did pretty good that's awesome see that actually reminds me a little, you know, a little bit of my you know some of my training when i when i got into taekwondo in college and i ended up the school i ended up at the second school i ended up at met a friend and we connected a little and found out that the instructor had given him a key and there were like four or five guys who would go in on weekends or stay late after class and we're in the can i come and they're like sure and yeah for years <laughs> we, I mean, we there was a time yeah. where we, we were at the gym five six seven eight hours you know they would class would get done we'd be there another four hours afterwards practicing and and doing technique we'd be there all day sunday all day saturday and i miss those days <laughs> i really do oh me oh me too buddy me too because it was all and, and lucky i don't know I'm, I'm i guess i'm blessed my father and my mother were very they had very fast reflexes very and my dad bless his heart uh, he's at rest at Arlington, but he was a fighter pilot in two wars, World War II oh, wow. and in Korea. And his call sign was dead eye. Nice. Uh, so I, I had that speed. I had that. And then you develop, you know this, Brian, you develop, you know, you know what somebody's going to do by their footwork, their positioning, whatever it is. You already know what's going to happen. So you're ready with the counter right. or you set them up or you do whatever. So, you know, then came the problem that I was so bored fighting with all the black, same black belts. It was 75 or 80 uh, black belts at Junshan. We'd have black belt meeting once a month, every Saturday morning, 7 a.m. And I could whoop all of them. 
you know, and I could get pretty close to Master Re and all that. Master Chung stopped sparring with me after about two and a half years because of my long legs, I guess. And he just knew that, you know, it's not going to be him whooping me anymore. It's going to be me going, oops, sorry, sir. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, it was it was brilliant. And, and then I ended up teaching there quite a long, you know, for what about until uh, 91. And then I opened up my own schools and kind of was a Ronin for a while. But no, I loved it. It was the best education in, you know, being a humble gentleman and being a, a superior athlete and um, just having that mind, body, spirit together. And, you know, I still love it. I'm so grateful to the martial arts and to Taekwondo and to what it's given me because I eventually met a grandmaster who was one of the founders of the Kukiwan in Korea. So oh, from wow. 2000, about 2000 to about 2009, I was traveling all over the world. He was I'd been to Korea about eight times, um, tested there, did this, did that, you know, but I would be at these tournaments all over the world. And I got my international referee certification. I did a lot of after school teaching programs when I could in the, the hoods of L.A. I'm talking Lawndale, Linwood, Inglewood, Compton, Hawthorne, wow. Lenox, you know, after school programs on site so you keep the kids uh, you know away from the bangers and away from the, the drug dealers and when they're vulnerable between three and six when the parents aren't home mm -hmm. i did that in hawaii when i lived there for free just you know you know parents i had 45 students before the lava came <laughs> and, yeah. wow. and, it, and it was phenomenal i just love it it is you know it's brian it's a place or people that you meet where there's just automatic understanding. Mm -hmm. Now, all these McDojos and stuff that you see today and the belt already in the certificate or whatever already on the desk for these people, you know, that are teaching, whether kids or adults, really bothers me because I had to chew my nails and wait for two weeks to find out if I had passed or not. Wow. And, you know, so there's a lot of stuff that I know you know, have you have experienced, but uh, it's a different world now. It's more of a business. So... And also Hapkido, I, you know, I've got a ninth don in both arts, mm -hmm. and it's combat Hapkido, so it's, it's okay. something that's pretty pretty nasty. So I'm one of these guys where I would, you know, if something happened out there in the world, I couldn't do anything except maybe get hit, and then I could execute because they're going to say, "Well, pff, you know all this stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> how come he's down and you you don't have a scratch, you know, that kind of thing." But yeah, we don't we don't do that. We we always project energy of of you know positivity and relating and love and you know peace and then you know you just say mentally you just put on your armor you say i am you know i'm ready to die if you're ready to die let me help you that's my prayer when i fight if i were to fight on the street and it doesn't happen because they all look at me and they see that i'm i'm relaxed i'm looking all of them that there's no fear mm -hmm. so it's interesting and then with the movies you know, you have to show, you know, the pain and the this and the that totally the opposite of, yeah. you know, when you're actually training and, and fighting. But I'm very, very lucky, Brian. I'm so I'm so blessed because, I mean, I have been so many places and thank God for the movies. I inspired a lot of people, too. Yeah, just like did. I'm so I'm so blessed, really. And I definitely want to get into the movies. But first, you mentioned the teaching. What kind of drew you to the teaching aspect of martial arts? Because I don't—it's it's definitely not for everyone, and it, and in my in my experience, it takes a special person to be a good teacher. So, what, what kind of led the, you down that road for a while? Well, first of all, I had great examples. You know, I had my uh, my dad was a super guy, but he wasn't around when I was growing up. 
So I found these male role models, and it was part of the curriculum at Junchang that before you test for black belt, you must be able to teach. You must know everything that you should know, right? From wow. white belt all the way up to first on and then into second degree. So I was made to be a teacher's assistant during that time. And then I was given the day class. I can remember I, I taught uh, Ronald Reagan Jr. I taught nice. Sage Stallone. I Sage Stallone privately. I taught all of these people because this was kind of a mecca. So what drew me to it was that I could see that people, you know, needed the inspiration and also the proper understanding of technique. And that was just a natural for me to lead a class and to help develop others that wish to learn martial arts and, and show them, you know, what they can do. It's up to them always, mm -hmm. right? But show them what to do. I had a, a I got such a, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, uh, I was so exhilarated. I, it made me high, you know, knowing that I helped that person to overcome their fear and to, you know, to learn how to move and to develop confidence. And, you know, our creed at, at June Sean was wonderful. So it was just, it, it, I just drew to it like a, a moth to the flame without, you know, the ending. Right. Uh, it, it was a natural thing for me because I was able to, I, I had the whole, almost the whole UCLA defensive line and offensive line coming to my day classes because this one big burly kid came in about 2 30 <laughs> and he couldn't touch me you know like i would just move ever so slightly or i'd say just just you know don't no, no hike no nothing just try to tackle me go ahead and i'm like three feet away from him and i'm gone and he's <laughs> on his face so he's telling his friends come on you know get, come, you got to do this man you got to try this and he'd say and then i just touch him in a certain way and he go off balance, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. But it comes from, Brian, it comes from doing. You know, you, you learn and you feel and you, time becomes irrelevant when you're in that mode. You're in that space of, you know, whether it's one-on-one, two-on-one, five-on-one, doesn't matter. You're in the space. So what drew me to it was the wonderful, the reward of seeing someone achieve and do something they thought they never could do and then of course teaching kids i tell you the california youth karate club and what i did with them in the la county sheriff's department and got all those kids to you know get free training at, at the schools on site you know you can't i i can't describe the the feeling of yeah i'm going to start to cry here thinking about it uh, how wonderful it was to be involved in something so positive. That's cool. And uh, and so that's that's it. I mean, it was just a natural. I had two schools. I had one in uh, City of Orange, and then I had one in Northridge on Reseda Boulevard. That of course, after the Northridge earthquake, was not there anymore. But um, yeah, it was a great ride, and I still do it today. You know, I still do it if someone will ask me to do a seminar or this. Mm -hmm. I, I will do it. I no more helicopter kicks though. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's off the table. Think back to that very first class you taught to now. You're still teaching. You're still doing seminars. What do you think has changed the most about your teaching style over the years? Well, basically, you know, you're all, you always assess, you know, the person and their body type, their reaction time, if they or skill or their mobility, their body mechanics. And, um, you know, what it is, is, is if anything what I try to do is to instill in them the understanding that if they set their mind to it, they can do anything, you know? So you have to start, you know, and put the time in, right? So here we are, we're, we're going to practice something, we're going to learn something special today. 
but you know it's every day what you do so that's that becomes the way of life right it's my way mm-hmm. of, it's a way of life so you know i mean what can i say i've you know i've i've taught a lot of people what they didn't know they didn't know that they could do and that is so wonderful I like that. Very cool. Well, I'm curious now you're, you're kind of, you know, your prime with, with Taekwondo was in the, in the eighties. So at any point, did you consider trying to go for the Olympics when it first hit back then? No, I, I was trained in the original sort of ITF style because Jun Chung in whatever, for whatever, you know, he, he, he was allied with uh, Chuck Norris and, mm-hmm. and he had, he didn't want to, and we also learned Hapkido as well as Taekwondo. So uh, the Olympic style, when it came along, changed a lot of things yeah. in 19, 1988, but I got more interested in that when I started to train with my buddy, J.J. Perry, who's now a big movie director and all that. I gave him some of his first stunt jobs. He's, he's just an amazing guy, and he opened up a school in Inglewood, and uh, I would go there and train. Everybody said, are you out of your mind going down there? You know, you're going to get shot and this and that and the other thing. I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not out of my mind. You don't understand. These people love it. They're down there. They they can't afford, you know, for their kid to go get a tennis lesson this day or, you know, go golfing or go do this. They have to choose something. Right. And of course, self-defense and, and martial arts is, is huge. So I would go down there and there's all these bangers, kids, you know, all the shot callers, kids. Nobody ever touched that school or anything, you know, and I did that for a while while JJ was teaching down there. And then I opened up my schools and so on and so forth. So I just, you know, what can I say? It's a, it's a hard road to hope. There's very few, there's very few that, you know, especially after COVID, a lot of, a lot of schools have gone away. Unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, but you know, Olympic style for me now is really sorry, uh, world, but pathetic. Mm-hmm. They don't have a thirty-six by thirty-six mat with a three-foot, you know, border. They have this little octagony kind of thing, and you know, these guys are grabbing each other, holding each other, and then trying to do these lame inside crescent kicks or something to touch the head, whatever. Whereas when I started to transition and I learned and I was learning the hogu, first of all, I could always, I couldn't always, but. I can take it to the body. I mean, I've had stomach reconstruction because of all the body shots and wow. whatever else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be talking to you today. I'd be dead. Jeez. But uh, if without the surgery. But the thing about it is, you know this, Brian, if you can't take it to the body, dude, you're done. Yeah. So you got to protect the coconut. <laughs> but the thing about, thing about it is, is this Olympic style is really, yeah, it's not what it was. It was so incredibly explosive. And I can remember the only way that you could score was what was called trembling shock. Yep. So you had to hit hit someone hard enough that it created that. And uh, it was just, it was wonderful in the beginning. But now I, you know, and as I'm older now, I'm not going to be trying, first of all, you kick somebody that's assault with a deadly weapon. That's the law. Defending yourself, fine. But I'm more interested in the Hapkido and in the other, you know, sort of basic use anything as the weapon technique. And that's what I, that's what I train now. I still can do the splits and do all the stuff, but my back is completely destroyed. My, you know, you, yeah. you destroy yourself. My wrist is oh, broken yeah. five times. Yep. You know how it is, man. So, but, and doctors are like, well, I don't, we don't know how you walk. I said, well, you know, why would you say that to me? I said, I walk by getting up, putting one foot in front of the other. <laughs> I said, but yeah, your body, your spine, you're this, you're that. And I said, you know, yeah, that's why I don't listen to you. 
So, you know, because they don't understand what you understand and all martial artists understand that really get into it, that you're in control of your body. And if your mind is strong enough, you can heal yourself. You can make yourself do, you know, now that doesn't apply to a lot of things. Right. But to to physical injuries and things like that, yes, you're limited maybe because, you know, your your bones are, are messed up. Like the all of the little bones in my wrist, they're one solid calcium deposit now in my right wrist. Wow. But that doesn't matter. I can still punch a punch a brick wall or a concrete wall. And that's basically all I need. But from the Hapkido, from the, the knock up falls, from this, from that. You know, uh, they got busted. But, you know, back in those days, you know, you, you taped it up. You did whatever. I didn't have the money to go to a hospital to have it casted. Mm-hmm. One time I did when I broke a metacarpal on my right hand, you know, because that's the only way. That's a boxer fracture. It's the only way it's going to heal, you know. But whatever. I don't care, man. I still <laughs> would do it all again in a second. And the stunting and all of it, I would do it in a heartbeat. That's awesome. Yeah, see, and me, if I listened to doctors, I would have had complete reconstructive surgery on my knee 30 years ago, and I still haven't had it done. And every time I go in, get like an MRI or something like that, they're like, when did you have your knee rebuilt? I'm like, I haven't. They just look at me, and they're like, and you still do all this stuff? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you, yeah. D- you deal with it. But what's funny is almost almost 40 years, in, I started martial arts in 84, so it'd be 40 years this mm-hmm. summer, the most serious yeah. injury I've had from martial arts is a broken mm-hmm. toe. <laughs> <laughs> I've had worse, like my, my knee injury when I, when I completely blew up my knee, that was from kickball in gym class. I fractured my, I fractured my wrist. I've sprained everything, but yeah, broken toe and a fractured knuckle for my own serious martial arts injuries. Both probably the toe. You probably kick somebody's elbow when they were doing whatever. No, I was actually trying to do a, trying to do a board break and didn't pull my toe back far enough. <laughs> <laughs> so yep <laughs> well that's gotta hurt let me tell you that's gotta hurt and the, the fractured right. wrist i was actually blocking someone's punch <laughs> it was he threw the best punch and i threw the best block and they just connected and it was like ow i know the ow trust yeah. me i know a lot about the owls <laughs> but that's what's so great about you know the mind body spirit you learn to control that contain it you know and not you know not go into that you can yeah. right you did that you control it and the fact of the matter is, is, yeah, in your knee, the same thing. You know, now we're learning so much about nutrition, about this, how to reverse heart disease by, you know, eating these foods and all of this stuff. So, you know, look, but back in the day, you know, there wasn't anybody, you know, we weren't pro athletes and nobody was going to come along and immediately take us to get an MRI or, a, right, or this or that. You that just fucking take stuff. <laughs> You taped it up and you kept going. So my toes, toenails black. So what? You know, yep. uh, I'm going to kick the other foot. Anyway, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's really, really, really cool. So you must have been pretty, pretty slick yourself. So good for you. Uh, you know, I had, I had my time. Obviously, that was years ago when I was younger, but. <laughs> Hey man, your time is the master of us all. So I totally get it. That is true. So talk a little bit about your, your first degree black belt test. What do you remember about that? Oh my God. Okay. So first, uh, master Chung had told me after about three and a half years of being in the school, which is you had to put at least four years in and you had to do a lot of certain things. They weren't going to, and then the, and then old school, uh, master Chung will tell you when you could, could test. Mm-hmm. So he told me after three and a half years, I had my red belt double stripe. And then the next was first on black belt. I said, sir, I, I don't feel like I'm ready for it. 
and I just didn't feel like I was ready for it. And, um, you know, it wasn't anything in particular, but, uh, when I finally signed up and was ready to take my black belt test, it was with two other fellow candidates, uh, Tom Keller and Tammy Goldsmith. And, uh, we were all, we're all pals and all that stuff. But, um, and I brought a second brick. You see, you had to break a brick as part of your test. And I brought two because Tammy was testing. And I'm sorry, but they're a little chauvinistic, the Koreans there, especially in 1980, mm-hmm. uh, 1985. And uh, so, you know, Master Chung says, oh, Lauren, you break two. And I said, <laughs> yes, sir. And dude, I had not slept for a week. I was absolutely on point on edge the two toughest tests for me white to yellow belt and then first on black belt i didn't know what was gonna happen i knew i was gonna have to fight multiple opponents all at once whatever that that didn't bother me so it was an amazing experience at the school and uh, i can remember my dad actually came and i got a picture from a good friend of my mother's who had the timing of me going through those two bricks Nice. Uh, perfectly snapped into. I asked Master Chong if I could take off my uh, Dobuk top or my Gi top. And uh, I was just a stick, dude. I was <laughs> literally like, I was like, but you know what? Those were steel cables. And my and so were my legs. They were steel cables. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I went through the bricks like butter. You know, I got knocked down once on the three on one, but, you know, it was a great day. It was about four and a half hours of, you know, going through every single thing and then fighting. And then we had to do some flying double kick board break and then some other breaks with, you know, uh, with the real pine boards, not these little wimpy, skinny demo boards that they use today. So I I killed all that and, uh, and then broke the bricks. And that was it. And then I was, again, chewing my nails for two weeks, wondering if I passed. And then uh, one day I came to uh, night class, to the advanced class. And um, I believe it was Master Chung and Master Ree. Master Philip Ree was there on that night. And they were both uh, on the mat teaching. But And Tammy was there. And I think Tom was there, too. And um, it was a surprise, basically. Um, you know, they said, OK, Lauren, you come come up front yes sir and you you know stand there and uh out came the black belt nice. and, which had some school name on it and my name on it you know embroidered and uh he said you know turn around and i and remove your belt so i turned around because you don't face your your instructor yep. when you fix your uniform or your belt and uh, i turned around and then i can't remember if it was master chong or master re wrapped a belt around my waist and man That's it cool. was just and automatically, Brian, I became 30% better, I'm sure, like immediately. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and then and then I eventually started teaching the day class and then helping Master Ree with the kids class and teaching the kids class, beginning and intermediate and advanced and all of that, you know. So it was just a journey. And then when I came back from Thailand from King of the Kickboxers, I tested for my second Don. And that was a two-day test. That was We did it once in the, in the wow. dojang. And then the next day in a park in North Hollywood. So I had uh, a little trouble with the with the bricks that day. I'm not blaming it on the grass or anything. I'm blaming it on me not being conditioned. I just come back from King of the Kickboxers. I wasn't hitting the Makiwara or uh, you know one of those ten pound plates. Of, you know because you, you yeah. just sit there. You take a weight. You know one of the old weight plates. You know put it in between your legs and you just keep banging it. 
<laughs> just keep banging it, banging it, banging it, banging it, toughen up your um, your um, palm or, yep. I mean, or that area where you're gonna where you're gonna break. And I hadn't been doing that, but that was that. So the first Don Black belt I postponed for a year and a half oh, wow. until I felt that I deserved it and that I was ready. Wow. That is cool. Yeah. I know. I kind of, when, when yeah. I was, when I was getting ready for my black belt test, I remember I, I worked in an office and I had a half of a patio brick at my desk. And while I was like taking customer phone calls, I'm just sitting there, you know, knife handing it, punching it. And all, like, all my coworkers are like, the hell are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. It's just the desk. It's not you. So just mind your business. That's right. That's the- that's cool. That's you mentioned a few of the movies. So what kind of led to that? How did, how did Hollywood, was that something you wanted to do? How did that happen and start off for you? Sure. Well, I mean, truthfully, my mother was in advertising, uh, when I was, you know, itty bitty, when I mm-hmm. came along in 62, she'd already been a creative director, director, producer of television commercials. And so I grew up, I was in her tummy on the set, you know? So <laughs> Uh, basically she didn't push me for acting she didn't push me for anything i had a chance when i was five years old to do a live the problem with the producer because they chose me over this other kid was that the producer said to me you're going to be in front of millions of people and all the stuff and i went no (laughs) i'm five (laughs) years old but anyway so i did a lot of those print ads and everything because my mom had the account you know my mom had the account for carnation and uh and all of that so you know a lot of that was just my mother knew everybody we went to all these hollywood parties and all this stuff i was her escort in later years to many as well but getting back to you know doing acting or any of that stuff that was totally on a lark i was at my uh doctor's house now everybody who couldn't pay their bill was at uh dr david gann's house I think he's long gone now, uh, painting, sanding, you know, wax a floor, you know, <laughs> wax on, wax off, you know, paying your bill. Mm-hmm. And this chap was there uh, playing a guitar. You know, we were taking a break. And he's like, you should come to my acting class, man. You'd be good. I'm like, I don't think so. But he said, just come, you know. I said, all right, fine. It was across the street from the Beverly Center in West Hollywood in, uh, in L.A., so I went and it was a class of 12 and then dude handed me a scene to read. And I'm standing up here in front of 12 people. Now I can stand in front of 70 black belts and tell them what to do. And, you know, I get, yes, sir. And they do it. But I'm shaking like a leaf, holding the piece of paper with some words on it that I have to say to someone else, you know, just mm-hmm. basically do a scene. And that really bothered me, really. So I started taking, thank God it was Stanislavski Meisner Technique acting classes with Alan Landers. And um, I had just come back from Africa and had no money, was, you know, uh, sleeping on my mom's couch and, and whatnot because I was there for six weeks. I couldn't afford to keep an apartment and, you know, pay bills. I needed the money to spend there and uh, went with my father, did the whole thing with uh, his his wife and, and so forth and had an amazing time. So. Came back and was at the school at night, had the key, of course, and was punching that crap out of the bag because I'm trying to sell used cars with Claude Short Dodge and haven't sold a one. And I haven't been able to train. Well, Roy Haran calls from seasonal films in Hong Kong. I had no aspirations to do anything, you know, um, 
I get my A card earlier that year by showing up for an audition for Pepsi Slice Black Belts, where I, you know, I met Ernie Reyes Sr. and I met the Castro twins and all of these, all of these incredible martial artists that I had seen over the years. So I had my uh, Screen Actors Guild card, but that didn't mean anything. I was, you know, I got 10 grand for three days of, you know, being on a soundstage, jumping through water. (laughs) It was stupid. But the 10 grand helped. But the thing about it is, is that eventually I figured, you know, I can use this as a public speaker if I ever get into something and I need to address, you know, a a crowd other than black belts Mm -hmm. and students. And um, so I started taking the classes and then I came back from Africa. The phone rings 930 at night on a Friday night. Who calls this karate student? I don't know, but this dude did. And I went and showed up um, the next day and auditioned and was signed to a three picture deal. Wow. So, yeah, but I beat, I beat out a bunch of others cause it was a week before I got the phone call and, uh, I didn't make much money on those movies, but I sure had a lot of fun and got a lot of experience, busted a lot of, you know, broke a lot of, shall we say sweat and mm-hmm. got used to getting, you know, the, sh- which I was used to anyway, getting the shit beat out of me. <laughs> And, I, and it, that's how it got started. And then when I came home, Brian, I thought, okay, great. You know, the movie's going to come out. It did. It came out of like uh, more than 2,000 theaters. And we were doing a better per screen average than Red Scorpion. And the phone wasn't ringing. Nothing was happening. And then the film came out in the theaters. I saw it on Hollywood Boulevard. Sweating bullets. I must have looked like some crazed maniac coming out of the theater. Just sweat dripping, you know. And, uh, you know, but I didn't, it, it just sort of happened. It, it's, uh, I don't know, you know, they were always calling the karate studio for people who could kick and, you know, wanted to be a, in a scene in a movie or be a part of a gang and do this. And I did that, you know, thing with Jun Chung, which was fun, uh, Ninja Turf and whatever, you know, but man, it just happened. Everything is about, I don't know, I guess your destiny or mm-hmm. the timing of it was um absolutely perfect and then i still didn't have the job even in thailand when i got to bangkok you and quay in the middle of the night had me do some reactions next day matthias and i are doing a, a screen test in the parking lot of the ambassador hotel in uh, in bangkok and uh and then we started rolling wow. and first scene i shot was with max there mac in the movie nortree 2 um where we're overseeing or overlooking the russian camp all of these sets had already been built. McKinney, Kurt McKinney, who I guess is doing a new No Retreat, No Surrender. Really? So bravo for him. Bravo, yeah, bravo for him. I saw a little one-minute trailer teaser on YouTube. Wow. And now, you know, um, I think they're going to make that happen. So that's great, you know. I mean, I, that's what I was saying a little bit earlier to you. I don't know if we were if we were recording or not. But this nostalgia for martial arts and real martial artists uh has has come around and i'm still here you know so there's things brewing but i'm you know i'm honorable withdrawal from sag i'm on my pension all that stuff because i don't know about you but uh, yeah i don't know that there's always going to be a sag pension if you know what i mean yeah with so many things going on and then i you know i was in the writer's guild for a minute but that was just because i wrote a couple stories that became movies that's fine but you know the fact of the matter is is that 
uh, hopefully at the end of this month, I might be in Atlantic City, New Jersey. They're working on it right now to just, you know, help with uh, young up and coming guys who want to get into movies and, and do all this stuff. And then nice. uh, I'll be doing the Mar- Mile High Martial Arts Expo in April. April, I think it's uh, 27th, 28th or 26th, 27th, 28th of this year. I'll be in Denver and uh, we're going to do um, hopefully something pretty special. I can't really talk about it right now, but... Yeah. It involves, let's just say, a screening of one of the films. So that should be awesome. Wow. Um, but there's all of this, you know, people all the time. You know, I don't have an agent. I don't, I've been off the grid. I, I lived in Hawaii for nine years and, you know, took care of my mom until her passing and all that stuff, you know. So I always kind of put family first and realized, you know, whatever's going to be is going to be. And uh, oddly enough, audience, uh, I made my money flipping houses and, you know, <laughs> banging and, you know, swinging a hammer and, and uh, doing stuff like that, you know, in, in Los Angeles and in Hawaii and in parts outside of Los Angeles and Kern County, Lake Isabella, all of these places. And that's how I made a couple of bucks that I can live on. Because um, those movies that I did, they didn't pay very much. And yeah. People don't really understand that. But that's the truth. Yeah, I know that's the thing when it, when the when the strike was going on and everyone was just like ripping all oh, these high paid. It's like no, it's not the high paid ones that this is for. It's for the ones that are barely scraping by <laughs> that don't qualify for the health insurance. And it's like not every actor makes million dollars a picture. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I got a lot of friends who are actors and stuff, and I, I get that. It's it's not as glamorous. I mean, yes, yeah, some do very well, but you know, people enjoy what they do. But pay wise, it's not that glamorous. No, I mean, and the fact is, is it's the right place, right time and all of the bullshit you have to go through. And people say, oh, he's and you know, he was discovered overnight. No, dude's been doing it for 10, 20 years. Uh -uh. So, you know, that's very true. And I didn't, I, you know, so I had a little girl, I was married, all that went through the divorce. So that cleaned me out. I was, you know, so I went back into stunting because I was always getting calls from my pals going, hey, man, why don't you come to the set? Why don't you work for, you know, that I'm like, ah, because you're either in the business, an actor or a stunt person. Now they're starting to realize that you can be both. Yeah. But the st- stunt coordinators and, you know, the and the fight choreographers, all of them, they would look at me. This is the days where you could still hustle. You could still find out. I was with Joni Stunt Service. So I would say, hey, is so-and-so. And I'd call my buddies. I'd say, are, are you working today? Where you were, you know, or when are you working? And I'd go for a set visit, meet the coordinator. And a lot of them looking at me and they're like, you look familiar, you know, or whatever. Or they're like, what are you doing here? You know, uh, and I'm like, um, I need a job, you know, so it's not all glamour. Right. It's 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 hard work and you got to have a thick skin and you got to be ready for a lot of rejection and a lot of baloney from a lot of people. And the fact is, is that, yeah, I'm very lucky. I tried to start doing my own stuff. But again, you know, uh, the nature of the business is you are swimming with the sharks and you're going to get bit or you're going to get eaten up, eaten alive. Yeah. And I just, I just got sick and tired of the daggers, you know, sticking out of my back that I couldn't reach and I couldn't pull out. So I just focused on being a good dad and being a good son and kept training, kept teaching. I would drive out to Silmar to teach uh, every every Saturday to teach the U.S. Eagles junior demonstration team. Nice. Because my grandmaster is uh, his brother is uh, the head of the team in Korea. There's there's five real well, there's more now, but there used to be only five real 
demo teams, you know, the Tiger team, the Hidori team. Now you have the Kukiwan team, you have the Eagles team, you have a couple others. But, you know, it was just it was just so wonderful to be around it. It's something I miss so much. Now here I'm in Florida. I know Rick Martin. I'm eight minutes away from where I did that awesome fight in the dojo where you see the sign, Rick Martin, Mm -hmm. you know, Okinawa and Rue. And Rick and I, you know, I went and introduced myself. Everybody's like, yeah, 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 we know. We have, we have that. But the half of the school had burned down, unfortunately. And he's an Okinawan Ru guy, so it's a different way. But just to say that when you become a martial artist and you are involved so much in the sport aspect of martial arts, and you travel and you get to see, you know, team members, U.S. team members. I coached a few that medaled in, in various games and in world games, Pan Am games and such. I mean, I can remember being in Quito, Ecuador. I'm getting my IR, my international referee, maybe, uh, certification. And uh, I'm the elevator goes up in this um, hotel we're at, and I see a young man come in, and he says, uh, sweat say, you know, Team USA Taekwondo. And uh, I look at him and I say, how is your training going? And he said, very well, sir. Uh, you, I guess, don't remember me, sir, but I met you in 1994 at the Junior Olympics and you signed my gold medal and it's hanging in my room at Olympic Training Center. That's cool. And I, I got chicken skin right now thinking about it. And I got chicken skin in the air, in the elevator. But, you know, so it's it's so amazing how... Yeah, how many? And I, I can remember being in Russia at the fall of communism. We were scouting a film with Moss Film, and I'm walking in this. It was the first Christian revelation or uh, whatever revival, as it were. I'm not an. I'm a Christian, but I'm not a you know denominational person. I I am who I am and what I am. Mm-hmm. But you know, believe in the Lord, of course. But there were seventy five thousand people there, and as I'm walking under the bleachers and behind stage, I'm hearing kickboxer kickboxer you know so they had seen that film in communist era you know times and there i was and they recognized me it was amazing it really was and so the the experiences that i've had and you know the opportunities to affect lives i feel is just one of the greatest blessings Uh, i can i can't imagine anything else you know that surpasses helping someone else realize some of their potential and then getting to travel and, you know, one last thing. I know I'm, I'm, I'm blabbing, no, you're but fine. I came back. My, my wife was Serbian, so I had to come back. Her brother, unfortunately, had a health condition that she needed to stay. But I came back and I forgot to pack my freaking Pepto-Bismol in the, uh, you know, the check-in bag. Oh. <laughs> so they pulled me aside. And I just happened to have, because a friend of mine brought me the Blu-ray release, the Blu-ray of King of the Kickboxes. It came out in Germany a couple of years ago. And so he looks at the the guy. He speaks English. That's going through security. He looks at he look he sees the the uh, Blu-ray and he looks at it because it's Karate Tiger in Europe. You know, um, it were the series of films. First Karate Tiger was No Retreat, No Surrender. But uh, this is Karate Tiger Five, I think, King of the Kickboxers. And there's my big mug on the Blu-ray. <laughs> and I said, uh, "That's me." And he's like, "Really?" And he's talking. He's telling all the security now. And I'm like, you can throw away the Pepto-Bismol if you want. He's like, no, 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 that's fine. He puts it back in there. And I flew and then swapped it out to the, (laughs) swapped it out of JFK into the, into the check on bag. 
But, uh, you know, hey, it got me me through security there (laughs) 35 years later, you know. But anyway, so little stuff happens like that every once in a while. But hopefully, you know, uh, right, what it is to be a a martial artist, I think, is to help people and to always be of service. So I hope that that continues because I I really miss teaching a lot. I really Mm -hmm. miss engaging with others. I, you know, we'll we'll do that in a heartbeat. It's just... uh, you know, times are rough and the martial arts is not a real big money making thing. It is for some. Yeah. And then they don't want anybody stealing their thunder. A lot of, them, you know, but a lot are very humble and, and they would, you know, invite me or if there was a Taekwondo school here, there, there is one. But the guy, he's he's teaching a bunch of kids or whatever. But that's that, you know, Brian. I mean, it's just a, it's just an amazing thing how I went from zero to hero you know, broke nothing, you know, this or that. And that now, even today, since COVID, people started, you know, plopping in their DVDs and, you know, watching old movies. And now all of a sudden it's uh, it's like a resurrection. So it's, uh, it, we'll see what happens, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but might be something that'll be pretty cool that, um, you know, if I can come back and do some stuff and uh, we'll see about that. I hope so. Yeah, that'd, I hope be, so. that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. brother. So, yeah, is there anything you want to know about any of the the movies? Any any hairy hairy moments or any anything? Yeah, I mean, any stories you want to share. But I, I was just looking through the your IMDb, and you you were on three of my all time favorite shows, which is so cool. You were on Martial Law, Alias, and Chuck. Three of my all time favorite shows. That's where I got my Emmy. Is Chuck Chuck versus the Undercover Lover? He, uh, nice. I got the, I got the paper Emmy. Merritt Yonka, rest in peace. He got the statue, and. Um, you know, that was just Merritt bringing me in and, and David Morzo, the fight coordinator who, you know, just worshipped me. He, You know, he thought when I was there, he was I would be standing next to him. And, you know, chain of command. Now I'm a stuntman. I'm not a star. So mm-hmm. I'm lower than a dog, you know, uh, on as far as screw is concerned. And, uh, you know, first we use your hand, you know, and, and it's just it's just so fun to be a part of the team. That's really what it is, is it's a team. So. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And um, yeah, that was a, that was a fun episode to do really. And I asked Zach Levy, you know, cause I'm supposed to do this fight with him that ends mm-hmm. up, you know, I end up, I end up kicking the both of them out of a window that's supposed to be eight stories above a pool. But I'd asked Zach, I said, do you mind if I, you know, I like grab you a little bit, squeeze your cheeks or, you know, give you a little, you know, slap on the cheek. He didn't say anything to me, which means, Hey, I'm the star of the show. I don't have to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, man, it was fun to come and play because acting is great and all, but mm-hmm. I would rather get a call to say, are you available on Tuesday? Uh, yeah, well, good. You're working, you know, uh, wardrobe's <laughs> going to give you a call, da, 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 da. And you got, th- what about Thursday? Yeah, I got, I'm, I'm all yours. I'm, you know, okay. You're working Thursday. You're working Monday next week too. And that's it. And then I don't know any other job. You go, you make a thousand bucks right, for eight hours and then more and then more and then more. So that really helped me get out of the hole, you know, after all of the stuff. And I did that for about 10 years or so in, in uh, L.A. And I actually could have uh, gone to Hawaii long, long before in transition when Howard Jackson was looking for a new coordinator, stunt coordinator. And J.J. Perry and Clayton Barber, they came in and did their demo, you know, to try to get a job on the show. And I'm sitting on the side near uh, the judges tables and they're coming over to me and I'm like, good job, good job. So Howard Jackson dismissed everybody. Howard may rest in peace. He's one of the greatest American karate. It was his uh, school name, I believe, but one of the greatest martial artists of old. 
and uh, African-American gentleman. So he asked me, he said, uh, we'd like you to go replace Garrett Warren in Hawaii and coordinate this television show. And I said, uh, Howard, that's, I would love to, but I have to talk to my wife. And, um, and then I got home and I saw my little daughter, my little, my little angel, and I just couldn't leave. So I called him up the next day and I said, sir, I can't, I can't do it, but thank you very much. So, um, yeah, I mean, I could have transitioned. I could have done a lot of things, but for me, family is first. And I had a little, little sweet daughter and, and I, I couldn't leave her. So there you go. I'm a suck. I'm a sucker, but what can I say? <laughs> hey, you got, like, I would you, be like you said, family first. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. That's yeah. cool. And I know you've, you've worked with a, a few of my former guests. I mean, you've worked with, uh, obviously we talked about Keith, you've worked with Cynthia. So, I mean, yeah, you, that's, that's kind of cool. The martial arts community is, is, is for the most part tight knit. And, and I know you've got to work with some cool people and I'm sure you're like, like Keith, you stayed friends with a lot of them, which is kind of cool. So. Absolutely. And his son is working down here, lives down nearby about 15 miles away, Travis. Yeah. But Keith's just a, he's a gentleman. Yeah. He's just a wonderful guy. And uh, just between you and I, a cancer survivor. Yeah. Got can- I didn't hear from him for a while, and he had gotten throat cancer, but he beat it. And um, he's now he's one of Dr. Bob Goldman's VIPs. He's going to go to all these events and do all this stuff. And, you know, I'm so happy for him. And he started a podcast, too. Yep. But his he, he talked cool. about it when he was on my show. He was just getting ready to launch it. So he kind of broke it on my show, which was kind of cool. And. He's just got to find a new producer. That's why he's down for a minute. He's got to, you got to get a new producer on the show. So that's that. I mean, you know, it's just so, it's such an amazing, I don't know, feeling or experience to go and go places and, and know these people. And, you know, I got to say Billy Blanks, for example, is one of the nicest people uh, and, and just a gentleman. And you know about, you know, his dyslexia and mm-hmm. things like that. And it comes from a family of 10 kids. Yeah. And now Michael, his uh, one of his uh, younger brothers, is uh, you know doing the doing a lot of the stuff. I'm not quite sure what, but you know I I was there with him. But I would go over there and for fight night and stuff. And nice. Billy and I would gear up and Garrett Warren too, and you know, and we would just mix it up and have a good time. Yeah, Billy's yeah. Billy's on my list. He's one of the ones I'm hoping to get on the show someday. So I I put the request out, but no response yet. Fingers crossed. We'll see. There you go. There you go. That's uh that's a tough tough act to crack. Oh yeah. He likes to. He's he's a busy boy. So, yeah. You know, yeah, I can tell. I, I can tell. I look for I look forward to seeing how he looks in Last Kumite. They wanted me to be in that, but when they wrote the script, they had written this part called Lauren, which I think Billy plays. And I thought that was going to be my part. And I was kind of just, just disappointed that they just wanted me to show up as a fighter. And I'm like, um, okay, you know what I, I'm, well, what I did was, is I just, you know, you don't say no, you just yeah. don't talk to anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, all of a sudden I, I'm not communicating with the producer, so they got to go move along. You know, that's just being polite because yeah. you, you really shouldn't say no. You should just be right, not available, and yeah. that's that. But I mean, I wish them the best with that. And Cynthia with Black Creek, I wish yes. her the best. You know, and uh, it's just great to to have you know to be associated or be in the same right room with or and I'm not saying level. I'm saying you know yeah. in the same space as these people. Right, it's just amazing. Oh, definitely. Now you you mentioned before that you you got into it to learn how to fight. So I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on something like MMA and the UFC, and is that something you're a fan of? Well, I, I you know in the beginning it was a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I I can't think of his name right now, but uh, one of the oh gosh darn it, it'll come to me. 
at first it was a curiosity. Uh, it looked really kind of lame, the 600-pound guy getting palm, palm <laughs> hammer fisted by some dude. You know, it was a blood sport, yeah. right? But whatever. The thing that bothered me about MMA or all of that is the fact that a lot of these fighters are not paid well, number one. Number two, they're going in there and they're really, I mean, this is a pancreation art or a a pancreation situation, meaning a a pancreation artist, you're the two last men on the battlefield of opposing forces. And now you're going to fight using whatever you can, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm very glad that uh, the late Senator John McCain, oh, John McCain yep. uh, m- made there be rounds and uh, at least some gloves and so forth, because that, you know, you're going to, it's so dangerous. Look, even in boxing, people die in the ring, yeah. you know, their brains separate from their skull or whatever it is. But with MMA, if you notice all of the champions, they started with one art like Taekwondo or mm-hmm. like BJJ, and they went up the ranks and they mastered that. Then they learned boxing, this, that, and the other thing. These days, you got kids that are full of vim and vigor. They're young and they're strong, but they don't have the technique. They don't have the understanding of what's going on in there. And it is nasty. When you think about hitting that cage, I don't know if you've ever boxed or been in a boxing ring, for example, but those ropes hurt. Those ropes hurt when you, you know, get slammed or you slide across them or whatever. Well, I can't even imagine the cage. And then you get these guys, they they got a couple of years of training. They're in great shape. And look, I've done some smokers for Muay Thai because I used to uh, train at Boxing Works. Mm -hmm. And uh, Brian's got an atom weight champion, I think, in Janet Todd. She's undefeated. And then she's, he's got one more up and comer, but, uh, you know, these guys, I would go to these smokers and these guys are going, going bananas, but I, I would, at least it's Muay Thai, you know, I mean, it's a stand up art. Yeah. When you start getting on the ground and doing all that, all, all the BJJ stuff and all of the other, you know, technique, I mean, for me, that's, I mean, it's interesting, but it's also, there are still rules. Mm-hmm. If that were to happen to you or I, I would bite you. I would grab, you know, your, your balls are right in my face. I would bite your freaking balls, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, so it's not really uh, authentic in that sense. There's still rules. So, you know, MMA fighters, if you notice in the beginning, there really wasn't a respect aspect. There really wasn't the humility, right. which is a great asset and great idiom of you know or paradigm of being a, a true martial artist is you being humble and uh, so all the trash talking and all the baloney and you know whether it's conor mcgregor and what's his name uh, floyd mayweather yeah you know pumping stuff up look i like to see great martial artists you know do their thing and and be unencumbered you know like uh, i think it was shamrock and, and Ken his Shamrock. Brother, Ben Shamrock and his brother, I think Frank, Frank as yep. well. And uh, they were just amazing. So these are guys that are incredible athletes and they want to go in there and they want to see who's the better man. But when you get locked in a cage, doesn't that kind of remind you of Rome? And except there's no lions and tigers <laughs> and, and there's no Caesar that will give you the thumbs up or thumbs down. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's interesting to a point, but I'm a technician. I'd like to see beautiful technique executed. 
Yeah. And this is a blood sport. So, you know, I just know that, look, if you have a passion for it, hey, good for you. I might have gotten into MMA, but let me tell you why I probably wouldn't have, because leverage on the ground for me. Now, I did, you know, work at BJ Penn teaching at risk youth and, Mm -hmm. you know, I would do stuff with them. But let me tell you, I had still the strength in my legs. This dude was going to show a technique and I put him in my guard and I started to squeeze. He couldn't breathe, okay. you know? So the whole thing is, is what I think about it, I guess doesn't really matter. What matters is, is that, you know, these fighters be trained and be, you know, be able to have a longer shelf life than say six months, a year, something like that. You right. understand yep, uh, where, definitely. where they're there and then they're injured for life. And then what do they do? Well, what are they going to do? Who, who are they going to be? When the ring girl's getting $75,000, to wiggle her ass and walk around the ring and the fighter's getting maybe 5,000, something like that. Cause he's just starting out. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just think it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll watch it. I'll, can I not wait for the next UFC? Da-da-da? I don't care anymore because I knew, I knew and I know too many people in the game and in the sport and how they've turned out afterwards. And what's happened to them, you know, alcoholics or yeah. this. that's that's just the human condition. And right. I'm sorry for the long answer. But for me, I, pre- I much prefer uh, professional boxing. I much prefer, you know, uh, watching um, judo, for example. Okay. I have become a, a really like, a, I don't know, like a, a judo addict. I love looking at these things on Instagram of these epons and all of these things. And the fact of the matter is, is that, yeah, I knew from a young age that my leverage or my abilities, right? Because this is when you teach seminars you or whatever you want to explain to people that maybe, you know, they're thinking about doing this or doing this, Rob Maga, whatever, you know. Uh, okay, so are you really willing to, do you, do you really want to start playing with knives and doing this and then, okay, fine. But, you know, there are athletes out there that, that look, Ronda Rousey's a different, for example, is a totally different animal. Yeah. Her mother was an Olympic champion. She was an Olympic champion. So if you have champions and that's how, you know, she turned uh, Dana White's mind around. He said, he said, I will never have women in the ring yep. or in the cage. <laughs> huh? Okay. So until Rousey came along and started breaking arms and that's a shame too, you know, like it's like they'll tap or whatever. And then people are still choking or, you know, it get, they get into that primal, uh, mind. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't think that's healthy. I just think it's, uh, I hope it's not something that continues on, uh, for very much longer, but I think it will yeah. because people since the dawn of man have wanted to see contests and contests of men, man, mano a mano. And, um, you know, I, I feel for these guys, for these athletes who, you know, will train so hard. And then like, like with your knee, mm-hmm. you know, one little wrong move and now you're done. Yeah. Now, what are you going to do? You know? So that's that, that's, that's my humble opinion. Okay. But if they want to get in there and they want to throw down, you know, I'm glad that McCain at least put some rules in place. Uh, they have, you know, if they want, that's what, you know, is wanted. And, you know, that's what the people want. Give it to them. But for me. It's not something. And, I, and I'll just say, and you can leave this in, that I have never watched an episode of Cobra Kai ever. And I okay. probably never will. Okay. Because I've heard of the terrible martial arts and the story and all of that. Now, now they're looking for a new karate kid, mm-hmm. Jackie Chan. 
and uh, Ralph, Ralph Macchio. Macchio. Yep. You know, they advertise and they advertise that. But it didn't make sense to me when they came out with the Karate Kid with Jackie Chan and Jaden Jaden Smith. Yeah. Right? Is it Jaden Smith? Yep. And excuse me, but Jackie's gung fu. Yep. So I guess you're just using the title. Yeah. So exactly. It is what it is. Okay. So, no, that's a great answer. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> In all your years of martial arts, is there one philosophy you learned that goes to the top of your list? Honor. Nice. Without honor, Brian, you can have none of the other virtues. Okay. If you're not willing to be humble, uh, this is something that is missing now. This understanding of discipline, but of honor, respect, respect for all. And a peaceful warrior will always help anyone, anyone who he sees or knows needs help. I mean, you know, I'm doing more. I'm like, just not that this is a big deal, but I told the guy, the promoter for the Mahai Martial Arts Express, you know, I really feel uncomfortable asking for money for my signature when all these people have come. I said, so can we find a nonprofit or something like that? And he's like, yeah, he finally found one, and we're I'm going to donate whatever comes into a program that they're starting there at that college, that Regis College where That's the Mile awesome. High Martial Arts Expo is being held. Now, look, if it was uh, the girl from The Exorcist, I can't remember. and Linda then, Blair. Yeah, Linda Blair, or if it was uh, the gal from Star Wars, mm -hmm. you know, they can charge for signing something, you know, like an autograph or whatever. That seems okay to me. Yeah. I, I, yeah, just <laughs> honor. I am no better than any other man other than what distinguishes myself. If I help someone, how many people have you helped today? How many people did you make smile? Did you open the door for that person? Why didn't you? And so forth. So that's manners, but it's also honor. The honor of being able to be surrounded by people and know that you respect all of them, and you're ready to protect them. Really, that uh, sounds kind of maybe I don't know over the top or no, not stupid at all. or something. No, I think it's good, but uh, yeah. But if I think if everybody would uh, just honor and respect each other's beliefs, each other's ways of life, and not judge and not do this or do that, but that's you know that's the nature of human being. I mean, we are the apex apex predator. Yeah. But once you've been in the school, you've been through a system, you've done everything that you've done. What are you if you don't look in the mirror and like what you see and say, you know what? I am a good person and I'm an honorable man. I'm always going to be that way. I think I was raised that way, but then the martial arts creed and uh, you, you know the ideals are perfect. They are a perfect fit for me. If they're taught and, and they're absorbed by the students, that's fine. But for me, honor is the greatest virtue for which there can be no other virtues without honor. I love that answer. All right. I have a few fun questions to wrap it up. Cool. This one doesn't have to be exactly four. I've had people give as few as two and as many as eight. So it's kind of up to you. But who are a few names, <laughs> a few names that you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Oh my gosh. Now you really got me under the light bulb. Oh <laughs> well, of course the immortal Bruce Lee. Nice. I, uh, you know, there's this whole it man craze now and all that stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I would have to say him, I would say Fumio Demura. I would put, I would he was on my show. On. I had the honor of interviewing him. It was so cool. Oh, he is yeah. such a gentleman. Yes. He is such a gentleman. So Fumio Demura, 
And uh, I think I would have to really put, you know, because there's so many greats. Yeah. Then there are the one, we all stand on the shoulders of giants, but then there are the, the real giants, you know, who started it all. So those two are all that I can think of now, other than, you know, the, I've been blessed to be taught by so many incredible people, but to, to memorialize them in stone, I can only think of those two Asian gentlemen and uh, at, at this moment. If you're going to pick two, I don't think you could do any better. That's a pretty impressive two. So Yeah, I say stick with it. Keep it simple. Yeah, there you go. All right. How about a favorite martial arts book? Favorite martial arts book? Yeah. Wow. Well, that would have to be the Cookie One Manual for... <laughs> for uh you know all belt ranks no i'm just kidding um my favorite martial arts book you know wow you know i don't i don't think i have one i mean i learned i didn't learn anything i I, if you're talking about a novel you're talking about an instructional man instructional manual or something like that it's up to you i've had people pick biographies i've had you know you know, a lot of people pick Taoji Kundo. I've had Zen in the martial arts, uh, all kinds of answers. Well, and as you know, the Tao of Jeet Kundo, I don't think Bruce wrote. I think that was written after. He never meant it to be a book. It was a compilation of his notes that they put into a book and released many years after he passed away. Correct. I mean, it was technically the stuff in it was written by Bruce. It just wasn't never, never supposed to be a book from what I understand. Yeah. So, uh, honestly, I, uh, yeah, I don't have an answer for that. Okay. So I no apologize. You're, you won't be the first. So, all right. And this one, you might not have an answer for either. This is usually 50, 50. Do you have a favorite martial arts <laughs> video game? I don't really play video games, my man. Um, okay. yeah, I don't. So, nope, that's okay. uh, I mean, I would have, it would probably have to be mortal Kombat or one of those others where I'm a character There you go. or street fighter or one of those, you know, I'm, I'm a character in there. I've seen so many of these YouTube clip videos or whatever, where there's this dude who kind of looks like me in animated form and it says <laughs> King across his chest, Nice. you know? So that's, that's kind of cool to have been copycatted, you know that what is I mean? Cool. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. These, these last few might be a little tough. You can't pick anything you've been involved in favorite martial arts TV show. And we know it's not Cobra Kai. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Kung, Kung Fu. Okay, good. That's a the solid first answer. One with, David, with David Carradine. Okay. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Well, of course, you know, enter the dragon, nice. uh, and all, all of Bruce's the Chinese connection, mm-hmm. you know, that would be amazing. Uh, the, the two most amazing enter the dragon though, for sure. Okay. And final question on this one, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to your answer on this one, a favorite Uh-oh. now doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, just a favorite movie fight scene. Well, I like these. I mean, there's, there's a lot of them. There's too many that I could, I, I would have to really think about that because there's so many that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, Chinese connection, Bruce Lee. But when I see these, the equalizer, like I just saw equalizer three last night. Yeah. I love how they, you know, he sets his watch and he does the whole thing and it's slow mode or this or that. Uh, that is just to me the equalizer uh, movies are amazing as far as the the fights or rather the you know the effective real seemingly real yeah. right aspect of that and then uh, other than that i mean i think yeah one of my favorite fights has got to be bruce and in, in chinese connection 
Nice. So whether he's fighting fighting the white guy or fighting all the Japanese in their dojo. I like it. It started it all, man. <laughs> when it kicks off your martial arts journey, it's got to have a certain spot there. So that's good. Well, Lauren, first of all, I just got to say thank you, man. This has been a blast. I Wow. It's just so fun to talk to. I, I could literally talk to you for hours about martial arts, and I don't think either one of us would get bored. <laughs> it's nope. so much fun. No, sir. But be, before yeah, I let absolutely. you go, any any yeah. last-minute parting words you want to throw out there? Anything maybe I forgot to mention? No, no. I mean, you covered it all pretty much like a like a wet blanket. But the, <laughs> the thing I'd just like to mention to your listeners is uh, is just to say thank you so much for – you know, listening to Brian's podcast, first of all, second of all, I hope everybody tries something that they thought they, you know, they're, I don't want to call it bucket list, mm-hmm. but I hope that everybody at least tries or finds a school so they can be everyday martial artists as well. Nice. I love it. Well, sir, I truly appreciate your time and, and I can't wait till the episode comes out. Well, I'm so glad, Brian. You are such a gentleman and it's such a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for the opportunity, brother. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.